Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thank you guys for joining us here today for our first summer school session. As we talked about on our last episode, our, the, the five weeks leading up to the season here, we are just going to be doing college content. We'll sprinkle, sprinkle in a little bit of NFL news here or there, but for the most part, we are here to get you guys ready for the college season. So we are going to basically spend each episode covering all sorts of different camp news, uh, position battles, injury news, things like that. And then we are also going to have a short interview session with a special guest uh, each episode. And then we're going to do a conference breakdown. So they're going to be jam-packed episodes, busy, busy stuff. How excited are you, Colin? I'm super excited. Um, I mean, mostly because, you know, now I don't have to create show sheets anymore. This is all you. No, this no, no, you. no, no. You still do the Thursday ones. You still do the Thursday ones. This that was, was, this was not discussed. Deal. This was, was not discussed. Deal. That was not anywhere in the deal. We'll have to take a short break. We'll be right back. We have to <laughs> <discuss>. <laughs> um, no, but all seriousness. Yeah, definitely excited here to to dive into, you know, all of the college news that we have going on, all the college news that's going to keep coming throughout the offseason. Uh, you know, I love pre-season. doing season. The preseason. That it's one. The offseason anymore. It's the preseason now. That Flip one. the switch, Colin. <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't started yet. It's almost almost a preseason. Um, I still got a, another couple days to flip that switch. But you shop, um, you're you're a last minute Christmas shopper, aren't you? It's not Christmas yet. It's not um, preseason yet. It, it depends. If I see something and I'm like, oh, that person would really like that, I'll get it. And like in advance, I'll be like, I'll give it to him for Christmas. But in most situations, yeah, I yeah, you know. Oh, wait a little December bit longer. 24th. Yeah. I've yeah. never done that. Okay. All but right. um but yeah, I'm also I'm also excited for the interviews too. Um love doing some interviews, getting to talk to talk shop with some really smart guys. So yeah, yeah. We have a couple of them lined up already, uh, a couple of them still to negotiate. Um, so we are going to play those close to the vest here until we have everything settled. Um, so let's jump into the news here, Colin. But before we do that, uh, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or if you can check out their Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right, Colin, there was a huge piece of news this week in college football. Was there? I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter at all. Um, Tate Martell is going to UNLV. Right. I did see that one. Yeah. That big, big, stuff. big, big news. Yes. Do we care? Um, no, no, I mean, good for him for going home. Not relevant at all. You're right. I guess there was another piece of news this week too. Wasn't there? I I buried in the Tate Martell. I think they waited till Tate decided where he was going to go and then tried to news dump it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It didn't work so well for him. Conference realignment (laughs) is upon us. It seems like it, it is all but official. I think it actually is official. I think the, the board of regents at Oklahoma and Texas have both informed the Big 12 that they will not be returning to the conference after the 24-25 season. They will be heading over to the behemoth that is the SEC. 
a lot of different questions about this. The first question, Colin, do you like this move? And I guess you can answer it, you know, does it, whether it's a, just a general college football question or for fantasy, however you want to answer it. Go ahead. Um, well, for fantasy, we'll start there. I think it's just going to continue to be a rich get richer kind of a thing where now that you have all of these powerhouse teams in one conference in the SEC, people are just going to keep flocking to the SEC. You know, I, I think that just even going to smaller SEC schools is still going to be seen as, you know, some better than any, any other conference. Um, you know, so I think that the SEC as a whole I think that that's really going, you know, I think it's going to keep bumping up the recruiting levels. So you're going to see a lot of the top talent go there. Probably a lot of the top talent get buried behind other guys, transfers out. I don't think that's going to change a whole lot there, except that it's just going to bump it up a notch or two, you know, kind of what we're already seeing in some of these places. But from like a just college football perspective, I'm, I'm trying to like it. I am. It's like it's like vegetables. I'm trying to like them. It's as difficult. We, as we've discussed many times on this show, <laughs> yes, yes, not true. Did you just pretend they're chicken net tenders and just you know close your eyes and close your eyes, plug your nose, and <laughs> and try it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to like it. I'm trying to not be old man yells at cloud, but I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist when it comes to it. You know, I, I like. The way that we have these power five conferences, I like the way things are broken down currently, regionally, everything makes sense. You know, now the SEC stretches from Florida all the way up to, you know, Oklahoma. And then that area, you know, they go, they're up into Missouri, they're all over the place, um, you know, regionally. And now like what the big 12 is going to have to go out and get somebody else, you know, maybe they try and bring BYU in or they try to you know, go get Utah or go get poach somebody from the Pac-12 or, you know, they're, they're going to keep trying to bring people in and it's just going to get messed up more regionally. So I think until I see what the other conferences do, I'm not going to be super happy about it, but I, I just have a feeling that it's just going to go to four like mega conferences and then regional like regionality won't matter as much. So then I won't be as upset. So <clears throat> I think the big 12 is done i know we've had a lot of discussion in the discord and a lot behind the scenes just in the campus to canton you know website slack here with all the guys and everyone has good points i think they're done and because you know a block of the teams might combine with a block of the teams from the aac or something but at that point i don't think they're the big like i don't think they call themselves the big 12 i think they almost come up with a new name or something like, i think the big 12 name the Big 12, you know, group is done. I, I I don't think that, you know, they just take on Cincinnati and UCF and Memphis and SMU or whatever and and just call, continue to call themselves the Big 12. I think those days are gone. Um, for fantasy, I think it's intriguing, especially with some of the, you know, they're, they're talking about doing like these four, four team divisions in the SEC now that are pretty still pretty regional you know they're going to try to keep guys close together it's going to be you know texas oklahoma texas a&m missouri i think is one um auburn bama mississippi state Ole miss or something you know along those lines or tennessee in there somewhere and i i've seen some good plans for i don't remember exactly um wh what the divide there was but that seems to make sense to me um i i kind of like it 
the first thing I thought of, and I didn't even put this on the sheet or anything because I figured this would just kind of be a general discussion. How long before the SEC comes for Clemson? They seem like such an obvious team to go after now because there's they're more in the South than Oklahoma and and Texas are, and they're they're probably not on that level. You know, Oklahoma has what the second most national championships and the second most Heisman winners or something like that amongst all uh, Division One programs. And Texas, there there is a blue blood of a as a blue blood can be, even though they've not been particularly great recently. Clemson is not on that level as, you know, just a historic program, but they've been so dominant lately. That seems like the natural next step for, for the SEC. I, I haven't looked at that TV contract or like whatever at all. I don't know how easy it is to get them out of it, but that just seems like the next place you go knocking. Yeah, I was actually listening to the um, 24-7 Sports College Football Daily podcast. Um, it was from, I think it was like over, it was like Friday or whatever, like when this news like started to drop. Um the, they had somebody on, they were talking about it, and they said that the last time they didn't bring Clemson in because there was a, an unofficial rule in there that they wouldn't bring in another school that had another school in that state. So they weren't going after Florida State because they already had Florida. That's why they didn't go after, you know, that's why they went after Texas, A&M, you know, and then not Texas. Um, and they went, you know, they weren't going after Clemson because South Carolina is already there. Although, honestly, you, which one of those two would you prefer? Yeah, they really, they really took like the yeah <laughs> the, the bargain deal. <laughs> yeah, in both of those states. Yeah. So, but it seems like now that they got went out and got Texas, that that's kind of out the window. So I could very easily see them going after Clemson. Now, another thing they did say on there is technically the conferences can't approach the schools. The schools have to approach the conferences. Uh, but, you know, there's very easy workarounds for that. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling you'll we'll start to hear some rumblings there of that. Or Clemson may flex its muscles and try and get Notre Dame into the ACC. Be like, hey, like you need to do something or you're going to get left out in the cold. Um, so, you know, and then speaking of get left out in the cold, the big 10 needs to do something too, because with the sec making this power power grab to, to, you know, turn into a mega conference and the, the big 12 is going to disappear. I feel like the big 10 is in a good situation where they're like, they could step up and be like the sec's little brother rather than get poached and fade away. Like, you know, I, I think that. They're, they're, they have a good chance to go out and get Notre Dame, make their conference, you know, look even better. Go out and get Iowa State, uh, you know, make their conference even better and make it kind of like the SEC light. And then you just kind of forget about the Pac-12 and the ACC. Well, here's the problem with Iowa State going there. Is Iowa State a good school? That I don't because know. I, I know the Big Ten really values that for the you know for the most part. They have Penn State in there, but other than that, all the other schools are good schools. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to. Um, Fair but enough. It, it, how many big programs are left though? Which is the problem? Like USC, Notre Dame, and Clemson are the only three big programs at this point that aren't involved in the SEC or the Big Ten already. Right. So, and they're not going to get USC. Like no. that, it's too far away. 
Notre Dame, I still think Notre Dame's going to hold out as long as they possibly can, as much as I hate them for it. Um, I, I, I don't see them joining anybody. And then Clemson, you know, I don't think that makes sense for Clemson either. No. So I, I don't know where their expansion is. They're almost better off being like the, the small boutique, like, you know, brand in college football. That's really strong. They're obviously not the sec, but you still have, you still have your Ohio state or Michigan's, even though Michigan's been down lately. Um, you have some. Penn State, Wisconsin, even Michigan they State. Don't, they, they don't belong in that sentence. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, you see a little <laughs> smile on your face. They don't belong in that sentence. But still, I mean, they, they have some good programs there. I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't see the need for them to expand necessarily. That that strikes me as some slight panic. But because Iowa doesn't want Iowa State there. Yeah. And I don't know, like, Iowa State's not a noticeably better, like, school from an entire academic or athletic standpoint than Iowa is. So it's not, you know, you're not upgrading by switching there or, you know, some of these other schools that you could bring in. I, I don't know what the what, what that ends up looking like, but. Well, like I said, I feel like it's going to, it's going to, when the Big Ten or the Big 12 dissolves, it's going to de- develop into four power conferences i think the big 10 is going to have to expand i don't think they can just sit there and wait so it's either wait until the big 12 officially dissolves you know and then you're trying to pick up the pieces there or be proactive and like i said go make a really compelling offer to notre dame because like you said that's like one of the big last programs and i know they're going to want to try to hold out but just from every like a a pure football standpoint they're also like up and down in basketball. They've had some very good teams, so it's not like they're, you know, a, a bad team there. They're also very academic. They have that tradition that the Big Ten likes too. That's just like a perfect fit. They, I feel like they have to just go out and be proactive and make a godfather can't refuse type of an offer and to bring them in, or they risk, you know, this four conference thing breaking them up and you know they risk being a victim to that instead of you know uh, instead of an aggressor i wonder if ohio state wants more teams because they're kind of the straw that stirs the drink there in that conference right yeah you'd have to think yeah they're like clemson is in the acc and like usc or oregon ish is in the uh, Pac-12. Oregon's I mean, getting there. But. I mean, what they, they did last season with the, the uh, you saw how the the conference bent to their will. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I it'll be interesting to see. Um, I just had a couple other notes here. Uh, West Virginia rumored to the ACC. Is that a good spot for them? Do you think they should go to the big the Big Ten? Think they should go to the AAC? Like, what? Where's the spot for them here now? I I don't know this for a fact but you want to talk about schools that aren't good academically west virginia is not a good academic school are they i think they have a solid med school okay Um, i just i just know a couple people that went to west virginia and i was like how did they get into any school at all so i was like well i guess they just west virginia lets anybody in so my perspective is probably a little bit skewed but i think of them as like arizona state north so you know how we were talking the other day and we were having that argument and Pitt is like the number 43 school in the country and Penn State's in the, or in the world university rankings yeah. and Penn State's 75. 
Mm-hmm. Do you want? Do you care to offer a guess as to where West Virginia is? I just <laughs> looked this up. To see where <laughs> so I feel like they're either going to be higher than Penn State, by the way you framed that, or they're going to be super, super low. I'm going to guess super low. This is the World University rankings. Yes, World University. 350. 616. 616. Okay, so yeah. they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's um, what not, I thought. Not to offend any of our listeners that may have gone to WVU, but I feel like you may have already known this. I don't think we're <laughs> breaking any news to you. Um, although, apparently, if there's 616th in the world, maybe we're not, maybe we are breaking news to you. You had no idea. I don't know. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't think yeah. they, I don't think they fit, they fit regionally into the Big Ten. But yeah. like you said, with the other things that they're looking for, I don't think that that's a great fit. So the ACC makes more sense, I think. And they're a natural rival to Pitt, who is right. already in the ACC. So that I, I would be interested for that to happen just to um, bring back that rivalry. We still play them in basketball every year, um, but bringing back the backyard brawl and football would be awesome. Um, and I, the last, I mean, I'm interested to see what the Pac-12 does if they make a huge play for some of these teams, you know, Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, even Iowa State. You know, they're they're a little far east, but I think the SEC just threw all that out the window. Um, so I, I'm interested to see if they get aggressive at all with their plans uh, for this year. Yeah, I feel like the Pac-12 needs to go after one of these schools in Texas. I feel like they just, you know. Try and get Baylor or TCU, like one of those two schools. Expand your brand into Texas because, I mean, the way it is now, they have the Pac-12 after dark and everything like that. But I feel like the Pac-12 just kind of gets forgotten about a lot. And, you know, that's probably some East Coast bias on my end. But I feel like if they expand into Texas, into, you know, the central time zone a little bit here, they could play some games a little earlier, maybe get some guys on prime time or something, you know. They could probably negotiate a better TV deal, I would think. That's the thing that I think holds them back a lot. It's just the fact that their games are on so late um, that nobody really stays up for them, except for people, obviously, that live out that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I do think a Texas school would be good. For some reason, TCU just seems like the one that fits in best there. I don't know why I think that. I'm just I can picture them as a Pac-12 school more than I can picture Baylor. I don't know. Baylor's yeah. had a lot of academic or has had a lot of scandal too. Maybe they do fit in perfectly there. I don't really know. <laughs> well, and again, I mean, I, I'm thinking about it from a basketball standpoint. Baylor is a pretty good basketball school too. So, you know, they would help them out. That would help the Pac 12 out in that regard. Yeah. TCU, I would just, you just, uh, they, they would just get beat up on all the time there. But yeah, you ha- there really is. I mean, I know football drives the discussion, yeah. but there has to, it has to make sense for other avenues too you would think although right. at this point maybe not maybe they're just you know schools are just saying you know fuck it we'll take what we can get um <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how that's gonna go down um so it, exciting times ahead here someone someone i think it was um mr alps that's in our discord today said you know this is going to be the biggest college football story of our lives and i really it does seem like this is the turning point here with the you know the nil the transfer rule and this realignment all kind of happening at the same time. It does seem like this is going to shape college for the foreseeable future. The one other point I do want to make before we, we hop off here. I've heard people saying that they think this is going to lead to the end of the NCAA. 
which I think we all hate the NCAA. I think this generally is applauded if that were to happen. I do. Part of me wonders whether we are better off with the with the devil that we do know rather than the devil that we don't. <laughs> I, I've been thinking a little bit about that over the past day or two. Um, just what kind of takes its place? Is it going to be this soulless corporate two or three conference, you know, mega conference that just it runs ragshot over everybody else? I, I don't know what is going to replace it, but I do... If part of me would not be surprised if we look back on this 10 or 15 years from now and we no longer have the NCAA and we're like, wow, I miss the NCAA. And that's going to be a real indictment on what comes after this. So just, RIP just your a mentions. thought. Just a thought. No, I, I do actually agree with you. Um, I mean, it feels like whenever you – and, you know, this is – that whenever whenever there's a power vacuum and a vacancy at the top i feel like what comes after it is just kind of chaos for a while and i think that if the ncaa were to go away that's what it's going to be it's going to be chaos for a while until some other entity brings some more stability and i'm with you i don't know what that's going to be but it feels like it would just be some big corporate machine that all they care about is profits. And I know that's a lot of what the NCAA is as, as it is now, but I just, the, the mega conferences, like you're talking about, I just, you know, and then what happens to some of these other sports, if football just, if the NCAA goes away, what happens to these other sports? You know, football is always going to be fine. Basketball is going to be fine, but you know, what's going to happen to the, you know, women's volleyball team. The Title Nine stuff is what's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In terms of what happens with that. Yes. Yeah, because I feel like the Title Nine—that's federal, right? It is, but I'm just—you know—you wonder if whatever comes after the NCAA, what ends up filtering through everything else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I just—I feel like there's a lot of, like you said, everybody is going to be like, oh, finally, the NCAA is gone. But it's going to be the Wild West after that. And I feel like people are going to be like, oh, wait, you know, we, we do need the NCAA or something. The the law of unintended consequences is the plot for like 40% of the Marvel movies, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you kill one thing and something way worse pops up uh, four movies down the line. So... <laughs> This may be our Marvel movie. Uh, help us, Captain America. We shall see. <laughs> All right. So on to the cram session. That's what we're going to be calling these little breakout interviews that we are going to have each episode. And for our first episode, we have a very special guest. Drum roll, please. It's me and Colin. Yay. Yay. Well, Colin and I are going to do the first one because, as you see, we're going to ask the same three to four questions to every single one of the guests. We wanted to get hours out of the way here. And we also maybe needed a couple more days to get some of these interviews done um, <laughs> to, to stick in the middle of these episodes. Uh, so Colin and I are going to go first. You'll get to see just a little bit about how these are going to play out. They're going to be roughly 10 minutes. I have a feeling some of our guests may be more talkative than others. Um, so we will loosely say that they will be 10 minute segments in which we will answer three important questions. The first 
is one player we believe will help their stock most this season. The second is one player we believe will hurt their stock the most this season. And then we are going to ask each guest for a bold prediction for the season. That relates to college football. It can be anything, as you'll see. Mine is not necessarily a fantasy take. Um, <clears throat> Colin didn't share his before, so I feel like he's going to torch the house down here maybe with his. Uh, <laughs> he didn't want to get it out there ahead of time. Um, so let's jump right in. Colin, a player that you believe will help their stock the most this season is? Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, wide receiver for Minnesota. Uh, and Minnesota has, and PJ Fleck teams in general, have just constantly pumped out wide receiver one type fantasy football seasons in college. You know, they've produced like very, very solid pro prospects. I mean, when PJ Fleck was at Western Michigan, um, they had Corey Davis there, who was a top five pick. Um, Rashad Bateman just went in the first round as well. Tyler Johnson was a guy who fell in the draft and nobody was really, it was kind of, kind of surprised a lot of people. Um, Cause you know, analytics people absolutely loved um, Tyler Johnson, but so they always seem to have one very good wide receiver, one high end guy. And Chris Ottman bell is a guy. I know you like him a lot. His ADP has been just absolutely all over the place here. Uh, it was one fifty in February. It was two sixteen in March. It was 183 in April, 185 in May, 138 this month uh, or last month of in June. So it's kind of been all over the place, but I feel like the 180 range is kind of where I see him go more often. Yeah, and that just kind of feels too low, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I I like Chris Ottman Bell. I have him ranked as my 50th wide receiver. Sometimes that even feels a little low for me, um, but I because. I think that Minnesota last year, their offense was kind of a dumpster fire, at least in terms of passing. Tanner Morgan just did not help himself at all. He regressed in a pretty major way. Um, you know, 57% uh, completion percentage, 1,300 yards, seven TDs, five picks um, through seven games. Um, Rashad Bateman only played five games, uh, 36 catches, 470, 472 yards, two touchdowns. So despite, you know, how good he was, you know, he, he averaged, what was that? Like 80 ish yards per game, um, which felt a little bit low. I feel like that stabilizes a little bit this year. Cause I know they dealt with some serious COVID issues all year. I think Tanner Morgan is not going to rebound to the point where he's going to be a, you know, anything in, in the draft, anything more than like a day three pick you know, or undrafted free agent kind of a guy, but I think he's going to bounce back a little bit here, stabilize the offense a little bit. And Chris Altman Bell is going to be the beneficiary there. Um, you know, he's the leading returning receiver coming back. And I know they're going to want to give the ball to Mo Ibrahim all the time, but you can only give him the ball so many times. Um, and especially if they're playing a team like Ohio state, if you're playing a team like, you know, I don't I think they get Penn state this year. I'm not sure, uh, but <laughs> good question. I don't know that. I don't think I don't think Minnesota is going to be a great team, so I think they are going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. And I think Ottman Bell is a guy who's going to take a nice jump this year. Yeah, I so I have him. I actually didn't even realize this. I have him as my wide receiver, 31 right now. <sighs> I, I I I think he finishes, or see, I, here's my product. So I I do not do CFF projections 
So outside of a, a few guys that I feel very comfortable kind of projecting as those top three or four guys, after that, like me saying that he's definitely going to be a wide receiver one for this year feels like it's probably uh, empty. But I think a wide receiver one season is very much in play for him. And I want to see him diversify his skill set a little bit more, work a little bit more downfield. But other than that, yeah, I just someone has to catch passes there. I'm not sure Daniel Jackson's ready yet. I don't think it's going to be Dylan Wright this year. So, you know, ipso facto, sounds like it's going to be Chris Ottman-Bell to me. Yeah, and I mean, he also, he put on a lot of weight from when he came in. So, you know, when he came in, he was a little bit skinny. Um, he was a three-star guy, pretty unheralded. Um, but, oh no, they had him at 215. I thought I saw before he was at one set. Oh yeah, under the athletic background on 24-7 sports, they had him at 178 pounds. Um. So he put on a lot of weight in between there, or that 178 is wrong. But but at the point Probably. being, he's a 6'1", 215, so he's got good size. Yeah, he, he's a big guy. He's physical, um, and he's smart with, with how he uses it as well. I put down DeMarcus Bowman as my guy that's going to help himself the most this offseason. And I think he his ADP is not indicative of a guy that has you know a ton of room to move you know DeMarcus Bowman right now has an ADP of 57 uh, he is the 51st player overall going off the board on average in our drafts and he's been very consistent April was 56 May was 55 last month was 59 and if I remember correctly because I have five drafts entered for this month already. So let's see. He's at 66 this month. So dropped a little bit, but you know, not terribly. But I, I think Florida is going to run more this year than they have in the past couple of years, which I think helps you know, account for the fact that they have a lot of backs in that backfield. The last two years, Florida has rushed uh, basically 30 rush attempts per game the last two years, but they've had Kyle Trask there. Uh, who has been a you know a, a very good college quarterback for them in 2018 when Felipe Franks was their quarterback and he was okay but not a stud they ran the ball 40 times a game and that was Dan Mullen's first year there so same a head coach there and he has a lot of say in how the offense goes and they didn't have a stud there they had Lamichael P uh, Michael P Ryan 134 attempts Jordan Scarlett 131 Franks himself had 110. Damian Pierce had 69. Everyone's favorite NFL wide receiver, Kadarius Tony, had 21. So they split these up uh, pretty broadly. They do have a lot of guys there. I'm willing to concede that fact. They have the aforementioned Damian Pierce, who is their leading returning rusher. They also have Malik Davis, Naquan Wright, and of course, Emory Jones, if he starts this year, is basically a running back as well. But there's room there for touches if they increase those by 10 per game. And I think all it takes is for, for Bowman to have a few bright moments. I think he's going to look objectively like the best running back on that roster. And after Pierce is gone this year, and I believe Malik Davis is a senior as well. Uh, he is. He's in his fifth year on campus. And actually, Naquan Wright might be too. Naquan, no, he's in his third year on campus. Um so I, I think if he flashes a little bit, he bumps up a lot. He just needs to get a little bigger. I didn't realize he was only listed at 193. Yeah, so I almost put Bowman down as a guy that I thought was going to hurt his stock this year um, because I think he's still riding that high from you know being the Clemson back and being such a, a highly touted recruit. He's the number three running back in the class. He was a five-star guy. Um, 
you know, I think he's still riding that high and I don't really trust Florida or Dan Mullen to produce a running back or develop one. I also, you know, you mentioned out Damon Pierce, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright. They also have Lorenzo Lingard, who was a former five star that transferred in as well. I always forget he's there. Um, He's going to be eligible this year now. So it's just a very crowded room. I think they're going to split touches a lot. Um, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he looks like the most explosive guy in that room. Um, you know, but I just have a hard time seeing him get higher than what he is now splitting carries in an offense that I think is going to take a step back and they're probably going to key on the run because I mean, do we really trust Emory Jones to throw the ball? So, uh, I think that our defenses are going to key on the run. Um, but I just, I have a hard time seeing him get higher than his ADP right now, which is like, you know, mid fifties. I think he's going to just take a hit. And for what it's worth, I have Z, I have one DeMarcus Bowman that I drafted last year as a true freshman. Um, because I think his price is a little too high for me right now. I could just very easily seeing be, see it being higher this time next year. So that's why I put him. So Colin, one guy that you think is going to hurt himself since you said you're not going to talk to Marcus Bowman, you technically get to do two. So <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> if we just, we put them, we put Bowman on the show sheet at the we same were literally time. Literally writing exactly. it. At the <laughs> um, no, but one guy that I think is going to hurt himself and you're already kind of seeing it a little bit is Evan Pryor. Uh, incoming freshman running back going to Ohio State. Um, his ADP in February was 117, uh, and that has plummeted all the way down to in June, he's at 182. So you're kind of seeing him like that stock starting to decline a little bit. And I think the only reason it's it, he's going to hurt himself stock wise is because I, I don't know how much I see him getting on the field at all this year. They seem to want to make Master Teague a thing. Um, I don't know why. Uh, but then you also have Travion Henderson there, who everybody's favorite freshman running back. Everybody seems to think he's going to smash. Um, Felix, also a big fan of Mayan Williams, who's there too. I think Mayan Williams plays ahead of Pryor this year. Um, so you got three other guys ahead of Pryor. He's a gr- Pryor's a great receiver. I like his receiving ability a lot. But that wide receiver room is absolutely loaded. So it's not even like he could get in on the field, you know, uh, you know, out in the slot or move him around something like that. I, I just have a hard time seeing him get playing time. And then I think he's going to be a guy who just gets forgotten about. And it's a shame because I really like Evan Pryor. I like his game a lot. Um, he already, he's bulked up, um, a little bit. He's uh, listed at 197 now. So he's just under the 200 mark. Um, so, you know, he was a top 100 player. So I I like him. I like his game a lot. I just don't think he's going to get on the field at all. And I think he's going to get forgotten about. Uh, yeah, I think he has to transfer or else um, mm-hmm. he will slowly waste away there. I put Desmond Ritter, quarterback at Cincy. And look, I get that there, the, Cincinnati has a real chance to kind of upset the current hierarchy as it relates to getting into the playoff this year because they have a couple big games there they play indiana they play notre dame if they can win both of those and go undefeated which i think we're asking a lot of them but it's it's possible then obviously ritter is going to be 
probably in contention for the Heisman and things like that. But here is my thing about what why I think he's going to hurt his stock the most this season. I don't see it in him to play better than he did last year. Like he had all of this momentum after last season where he could have declared for the NFL draft. I don't know what kind of grades he got, but I would guess that he probably got a day two grade. And so he went back thinking that he can get day one. The problem with a lot of these quarterbacks and really any position in general, and it's why taking freshmen sometimes can be so risky, especially at the quarterback position in a Debbie or a C2C draft is that you usually give them a first round grade after their freshman year with the thought that they are going to improve, that they are going to develop, that they looked like this now, and that's good. Like if he if went to the NFL draft today, it'd be a fourth round guy, but he just had like he has this room for improvement, and by the end of his year three or year four, he can he can get into day one. That's the large majority. Now you know there are some exceptions. Trevor Lawrence could have been a day one draft pick the day the, after his freshman year. But there, there are guys like Keaton Slovis that we've seen. You know, Keaton Slovis has to be so much better than he was his freshman year to get into the first round because that's the you know what he what he did and that's what he kind of the the path that he kind of laid out for himself. I think Desmond Ritter is the same way, and I don't see the tools from a throwing perspective for him to grow any more than he currently is. I don't think he has a great arm. I don't think he's particularly accurate. You don't see a lot of huge big boy throws on his on his tape. Um and a big boy and a big boy throw is not throwing at 50 yards downfield. That's not a big boy <laughs> throw. A big boy throw is, you know, throwing it on a rope between the safety and the underneath coverage and getting it in there before um you know the safety gets there and absolutely murders the guy or you know an opposite hash on a rope, uh, throwing with anticipation, things like that. He just does not do really at all and i don't think we're going to see any more of that from him i think he could have sold an nfl team in the second or third round this year that i can learn to do that but if he hasn't done it two years in a row all of a sudden you start asking some questions so i think desmond ritter is going to hurt his stock and i think the the first round buzz that he's getting is bad yeah I, i i agree with you there um I have a hard time seeing him doing better than what he did last year. Yeah. And so Colin bold prediction that you were too afraid to share ahead. (laughs) It wasn't so much that I was too afraid to share it ahead of time. I had a hard time coming up with like what type of bold prediction I wanted to do. Did I want to do something just general college football, which is a little bit more along the lines of what you did. Um, Did I want to do something, you know, from a fantasy perspective, like, I had a hard time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I did I want to do some NFL draft perspective. So I did one that's a little bit of um, twofold. It's sort of NFL draft, but mostly fantasy. Uh, I think that Dorian Thompson Robinson finishes the year as the number two fantasy quarterback behind only Malik Willis. And I think he plays his way into a conversation where we are trying to hype him up into a first round NFL draft pick. Um, you, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't love his dra- NFL draft prospects, but like we've mentioned before, he is just, he fits kind of what the NFL is looking at nowadays. They're just, you know, they want mobile quarterbacks they want these toolsy guys and that's dorian thompson robinson i mean he was the number two 
uh, dual threat quarterback in his class. He was a very high four star guy. Uh, Alabama wanted him. You know, they were they were going after him. Ends up going to UCLA. Uh, you know, true dual threat runs a four six nine forty when he was coming out. Uh, very athletic, and he rushed for uh, three hundred yards in five games last year. Um, so I think that was getting a little bit better too. You know, he had a very quietly had a very good statistical year last year. Uh, through five games, um, he threw sixty five percent completion percentage, ninety for one hundred thirty eight for eleven 1, hundred yards, uh, eight point one yards per attempt, um, twelve touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, and then, like I said, he had three hundred yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground, which I think there's still even a little bit more room for growth in that area. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the combination of the arm and the leg, you're going to get a really nice fantasy football year from him this year. And that combination of tools and skills is going to lead some people to project him to go in the first round, um, you know, leading into next year's draft because he's going to be a senior this year. So he could declare, but he gets the COVID year like everybody. So he could potentially come back. So I'm not exactly sure if he'll come out, but I think if he has that type of year, he will. Don't know if he'll end up going in the first. Um, I could see him being an early second round guy. This is a bold take, Colin. Stop, you know, tap dancing around the edges and just say he's going to be a first round draft pick. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. He's going to be, he's going to sneak into the back half of the first. Okay. All right. That's what I want to hear. Which stupid right. team takes him? If you say Pittsburgh, I swear to God, we're ending this show, this show right now. <laughs> no, not Pittsburgh. Um, that's a good question. I mean, the Saints don't really have anything at quarterback there. You know, could see them trying to get a little bit more modern. Um, Washington also is going to need a quarterback. I think they're going to be good next year. Washington's a good guess. I think <laughs> I, that was I didn't have a team in mind when I asked, but I think that's a good, that's a solid guess. Um, to be completely honest. Um. So my bold prediction is that another non-quarterback wins the Heisman this season. And I don't necessarily have a single guy that I'm thinking, but here, here are just a couple of the options that I think could do it. So Bijan Robinson could, I don't think he will, because I don't think Texas is going to be good enough uh, for him to get the hype. And I'm not sure that like his junior year. Yeah. I, I could see his sophomore year might be a little early, uh, Brees Hall, if Iowa State pulls out the Big 12, that could be a very interesting conversation because they sure shit aren't going to be there because Brock Purdy was carrying what, them on his back. What, I don't mean to interrupt you, but wouldn't that be hilarious if Iowa State wins the Big 12 the year Oklahoma and Texas are like, we're going to leave? The SEC would be like, oh, no, actually, we're good. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, so those are the big two. Here, Here is a hot take name, though that i think there are there's a scenario where this happens he's on the edge of my seat tank bigsby could win the heisman this year and let me tell you why <laughs> as we talked about on the rb summits uh with the campus decanting guys he uh, brian harson is basically a steroid for running backs whatever production that they were probably going to get without him there you can amplify it almost twofold. He's going to feature him in the passing game. He's going to give him a ton of touches. And not only does he feature the running back, he features a running back. He likes to have one. 
as, as you've seen by his many, many years at Boise State there, where they just consistently cranked out top running back options, especially for college fantasy, college production purposes. Auburn, I'm not sure Auburn will be good enough. So the same thing I said about Bijan could be said about Tank Bigsby. And this is not to say that I think Tank Bigsby is a superior player because I don't. But there is a scenario where he just gets fed all year. Auburn has that early game against Penn State that I think if they win that, all of a sudden they're, they're, the momentum is there. We've talked ad nauseum here in Debbie Debate about how the SEC, there are a lot of vulnerable teams in the SEC this year. LSU is still rebuilding. Bama lost eight starters on offense and several on defense as well. Um, Georgia looks strong, but they're on the opposite side of the conference. So there, there is a road to the SEC championship game there that is not as difficult as it may have been in years past. And everybody's favorite first-round quarterback, Bo Nix, will be there to help him out. So my colleague didn't even flinch at that. Um, so, yes, I, <laughs> there is a scenario that Tank Bigsby wins the Heisman, and he might be my favorite non-quarterback bet because there are such long odds for to do it. So uh, that a non-quarterback is going to win the Heisman, and my bet is Tank Bigsby. Man, that is spicy. And very out of character for me. Very I out of character. don't love Tank Bigsby, the pro prospect, but I'm separating the two here. That's crazy. Have you, I, I, have you looked up his odds? So I'm looking here on the Action Network right now. Um, it looks like most books, the bet, like the worst odds are, are um, plus 5,000. He's got plus 7,000, plus 6,600. Um, so it, it's pretty across the board, but none of them are, you know, none of them are great bets. You know, Spencer Rattler's plus 550. It looks like most places DJU is plus 600 or so. Um, and there's just some guys in front of him that should Dierra King has better odds, Slovis, Jaden Daniels, Jerkovich, Emory Jones, Ritter, Mackenzie Milton has better odds some places. Like he I'm just looking at this list and Max Borgie's ahead of him a lot of places. Um, so it, Bigsby just seems like the kind of guy that could come out of nowhere, kind of. Every, everyone knows Tank Bigsby, but he could do it. Interesting. That's uh that's a bold take. I like that. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I never really do bold takes, so I figured I'd go all out on this one. <laughs> all right, so that is going to sum up our cram session for today, guys. Again, we will be doing one of those each episode until the start of the season. So our last bit here, and this will be shorter or longer some weeks than others. Uh, we are going to be doing a conference uh, preview breakdown. There are 10 conferences, and would you know it, there are 10, 10 episodes left for us until the season starts. Weird wow. how math we, works. We timed that so well. We timed that so well, man. I'll tell you what. Um, so we are going to go in uh, basic. It's it's not quite worst to best, but it's definitely not best to worst. Uh, <laughs> and we are actually going to do these in conjunction with our conference uh, breakdown series of articles that are releasing over at the site. So far, we have the Sun Belt is the first one we're going to do here tonight. Both of those articles are out, courtesy of Mr. Alfred Fernandez. So if you want to go read those, um, I believe Matt's uh, first piece of the Mac is out as well. Um, but we're going to talk about the Mac tonight, just the Sun Belt. So the Sun Belt is basically a, 
I don't know if I want to call it a one-team conference, but it's definitely not super strong. You had Coastal Carolina last year who finished the year at nine overall, obviously went uh, 8-0 in the conference and 11-1 and overall, lost their bowl game. Uh, beyond them, other teams that you figure can probably contend there, App State, who went 6-2 and last year, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, who went 7-1, and and then that's probably it. The other teams there, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Troy, South Alabama, Arkansas State, Texas State, and University of Louisiana Monroe. So not a murder's row, but there are some players here that we want to discuss. So we broke it into uh, our must-haves, our maybe relevant, and then we'll talk about some stashes. I don't think there are any stashes for tonight. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> None that I think are rosterable unless you're in a super, super deep league, and if you are, Feel free to DM one of us, but it's, you know, not general, you know, knowledge that <laughs> needs to be out there. Um, and then if we think any of these guys uh, are, we want to avoid a current ADP. I have all their ADPs here. So let's dive in here, Colin. I have must-haves, one quarterback in the entire conference, Grayson McCall. Do you agree at Coastal Carolina? Yeah, that's a pretty easy call there as far as um, the only quarterback really who's you know, I must have, I mean, there's, there's another guy there that in your listening, your maybe relevant one that I think is a good notch above the other guys listed with him, but Which I don't one. It's a Cornelius Brown. Yeah. Quad Brown. I dated, all right. Yeah. I debated <laughs> so much whether to put him in, in column one or column two. I ended up putting him in the, in the maybe relevant. I, I think that was the right call, but he's very clearly better than the other guys listed with him. Yeah. Um, but, McCall, on the other hand, I mean, McCall had a fantastic year last year. Um, he finished as the QB uh, 14 on the year uh, as a redshirt freshman on a points per game basis. That schedule does not get any harder this year. No, uh, they get Kansas going Oof. through a pretty big transition. They get Buffalo also going to a pretty big transition and they get them back to back. That's amazing. They play those two teams back to back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they get UMass uh, out of the independence. They're one of the worst teams in football. They don't have any game that scares you at all anywhere. I, I think that the best team that they play is probably app state. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think so I think this is a very, there's a very, very real possibility that they go undefeated again this year. <clears throat> and just to give, <clears throat> sorry, just to give the base information here on McCall here, he's 6'3", 210. He is 2022 eligible. And last season, he completed 68% of his passes for 2,488 yards, a 26 touchdown to three interceptions. And then on the ground, he added 111 carries in their kind of option attack for 569 yards and seven touchdowns. So, yes, big, big fantasy potential, possibly NFL potential. I think so. Everything that I just said about Dorian Thompson Robinson with like, you know, they want the quarterback who's, you know, a dual threat now who can provide a lot on his legs. I think the biggest thing holding McCall back is that offense, that option like attack. Like I, that's not really, that's hard to project to the next level. I don't know how NFL teams are going to feel about that. So that's what gives me hesitation as far as his future draft prospects go. But I think just from an overall skill standpoint, um, you know, tools 
I think he checks a lot of boxes. So he's one that's, I think, a really hard projection right now. He is. And his ADP right now on the site is 73 overall. So um, you're paying not quite a premium, but still a pretty steep price. Two must-have running backs I marked down here. And Colin, feel free to, I, I think I encompassed the two that that are probably in this conference. Cameron Peoples, who's at Appalachian State, and Chris Smith, who is at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Peoples, ADP of 195. He is 6'2", 220. He is in his fourth year, so he is eligible for the draft next year. 168 carries, 1,124 yards, 12 touchdowns last year, and three catches for 15 yards. Not a huge uh, receiver there. Chris Smith, ADP of 250 overall. He is 5'9", 194. He is a redshirt sophomore, so again, 2022 eligible. And last year, behind Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis, he put up uh, 62 carries, 350 yards, one touchdown, and then 16 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown through the air. So, Colin, do you prefer one of these guys to the other? And then do you think either of them have an NF a, a significant NFL future? So do I prefer one to the other? Yes, I do. I prefer Chris Smith um, because... I don't know if either of them have an NFL future. Uh, I think with the running backs that UL has put in the NFL the past couple years, I feel a little bit better about Chris Smith. Um, so that's why I put him a little bit better. Plus, I think he's a better pass catcher as well. He caught 16 passes last year. We just didn't see it from Cameron Peoples. Uh, I don't have a good feel for his ability as a pass catcher. Uh, but at this point, you know, just based on what we saw last year, I don't know. I, I don't think he's a great pass catcher. So I have a hard time projecting that moving forward. So that puts him in more limited role. Uh, but for fantasy purposes this year, I think they're both like right on par with each other. Uh, I think Chris Smith is going to have a really, really nice year this year. Um, you know, they just lost. They just vacated a ton of carries. Elijah Mitchell and Trey Raggis both off to the NFL. Uh, that frees up 271 carries. And I think that Chris Smith gets the bulk of those. Um, now, we'll talk a little bit later um, about, you know, the they seem to be a team that splits carries a lot. Uh, but I, I do think that Chris Smith will get the majority of them. I think he'll have a really nice year. And then with uh, Cameron Peoples at App State, I mean, App State just turns out thousand yard rushers. So I think you're gonna, you're very safe there, very safe floor. I I think I agree on both accounts. I I I prefer Chris Smith a little bit just because I feel like they're both eligible, but I think Peoples would be the more likely to leave school since he's already like Smith might because he's from a smaller school want to get two big years under his belt. I, I don't know that for sure, but it seems like he might, whereas Peoples already has one. So if he gets a second, then I think it's adios for him. Um, and again, this, uh, this is, I'm not reporting anything here. This is just my opinion as I kind of look at the situations. And since I'm not sure what the NFL future would be for either of those two, um, then I, I will take the guy that I think might have an extra year um, of production. But both offenses that feed the running back and feature the running back so you have to feel good about uh, both of those guys going into next year. 
Um, so let's see here. Our must-have wide receivers. I picked three out, and I'm not. I don't know if you can make a case for any of the four that I that I put down in the next section. Um, number one is Jalen Tolbert from Southern Alabama, or from South Alabama. Sorry, not Southern South. Uh, who I am absolutely in love with. Uh, Javon Haley, I believe is how you say it. Haley, Haley from Coastal Carolina, who was their leading receiver last year. And then Corey Rucker, who is at Arkansas State. And just to dig a little more into the three of them, Tolbert has an ADP of 179. He is 6'3", 195. Uh, he is a, a year, he's a junior on the website, but he's in his fourth year. Colin, uh, how much do you love Jalen Tolbert? <laughs> um, I do love Jalen Tolbert. Um, I don't quite love him as much as you do, um, but I do like him a lot. I think he is definitely a candidate for a wide receiver one overall this year. Uh, I think he's pretty comfortably going to finish the year as a number one wide receiver for fantasy purposes. Um, Cause it just sounds like Jake Bentley just absolutely loves him and just, just been peppering him with targets all year. And he did put a really nice year together last year uh, finishes the wide receiver 29 on a points per game basis, cracked a thousand yards, like you mentioned. So yeah, I like Jalen Tolbert a lot. His ADP feels a little low. Um, but I don't know how much higher I would take him, you know, maybe a half round to another round. So not a ton higher, but it does feel a little low. I'll give him that. I'll give you that for sure. It's definitely risen. So Jalen Tolbert mm -hmm. uh, was not taken in any drafts in February. Then it was, wow, actually, no. so 160 or 158, 207, 153, 181. So it's kind of been all over the board, actually, but it has come down since, you know, not getting drafted at all there in February. Um, I think he's probably the biggest steal in drafts currently, Jalen Tolbert, because I think he can be a, a day two draft pick. I think he can be a round two guy. That's what that's where I'm just not sure yet. He, I'm not there yet. He lacks a little bit of nuance. Don't get me wrong. You know, he is definitely out there out athleting a lot of the guys in that conference simply because he can. But I also think that he is such a super superb athlete and he's not, you know, he's not a, uh, a, a Jonathan Adams Jr. that jump balled everybody in his conference. He is the kind of guy that is well-rounded athletically enough that it translates in my opinion. And yeah, I, it would not shock me if he's the number one overall wide receiver in college fantasy this year. It just would not shock me at all. Bentley seems to love him. He caught like three touchdowns in their spring game. And that sounds like that did not surprise the coaching staff because Bentley loves him so much. Um, and Bentley's not good enough to spread the ball around, <laughs> in my opinion. So he, he will find Tolbert all day, every day, all year long. Um, the other guys here, um, I lost it. Haley is a guy that I think is not probably being talked about enough. And I think Alfred burst into the Slack chat a couple days ago. I believe it was Alfred <laughs> and said, this J Javon Hiley's not even getting drafted right now in our drafts. He's not in our ADP. And I was like, I, I don't know. I looked it up and it's true. He's not there. Um, 6'2", 200. He's a senior last year, 65 catches and 998 yards, 10 touchdowns. So he's going to score a lot of points there at probably not an NFL future though. Right. Or, you know, maybe a late day three kind of guy. He's, yeah. he's a nice, he's a nice field stretcher. 
Yeah, I think he. I think I think he'll be a late day three type of a guy. I think he'll get drafted. Um, he'll, he's a guy that people will probably start to hype up as a sleeper next off season. I don't know how much I like his future NFL potential, but um, you know, for next year, yeah, absolutely, he's gonna. I think he's gonna smash next year. You know, I think that Grayson McCall showed last year that he loves him. Um, you know, he very easily, handily uh, out produced everybody else on that offense um you know he'd more than doubled up the next closest receiver in 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 catches so yeah i mean i think he's very comfortably the uh the number one option in that offense you know he finished last year on a per game basis wide receiver 38 um a lot of people ahead of him are gone um some other people that are ahead of him that i don't necessarily know if they're going to repeat that again um so yeah I, i think that um he gets he can have a really nice year this year for fantasy, probably be a wide receiver two-ish. Um, so yeah, I think he's definitely belongs in that must-haves list. Yeah, wide receiver two low end wide receiver two probably feels right for him. Um last year may have kind of been his his ceiling, but they bring that whole offense back except for Brian mm-hmm. Kobach, basically. Um, and we'll talk about his replacements here in a minute. Um you mean um not yes, Kobach, that's who CJ I mean. Maribel. Yes, CJ Maribel, thank you. Thank you. I realized as soon as I said that, yeah. that, was, that was not <laughs> correct. Uh, Corey Rucker is the third guy here, six foot two oh three. He has an ADP of two forty one. Uh, last year, his stats last year are pretty much irrelevant. Sixteen catches, four fifty three yards, five touchdowns. All anybody ever cares about really is that last game against ULM, <laughs> where he went nine for three ten and four. Nine for three ten and four. Quite the announcement, Colin. Do you think that he is the guy there, or do you think it's Jeff Foreman? I think that Corey Rucker is going to be the guy there this year. Um, but I wouldn't count out Jeff Foreman. I don't think it's a hundred percent foregone conclusion, but I will say that you want the number one wide receiver in an Arkansas state offense. I mean, we talked about that. That was one of the offenses we broke down this off season. Um, last year, Jonathan Adams, jr. The number one wide receiver in that offense, 79 catches, 1100 yards, 12 touchdowns. Um, you know, the year before that, they had um, Omar Bayless. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had Omar Bayless, who, you know, just absolutely smashed. Jonathan Adams Jr. also had a really nice year last year as well. Kirk Merritt, too. Kirk Merritt, two or three years before that. So, yeah, they've they've had some really high-end producing college-wide receivers in that offense. And I, like I said, I think Corey Rucker is the guy that we want there. Uh, although I will say that I do find myself... Uh, taking Jeff Foreman just because he's so much cheaper because Corey Ruck, a lot of people seem to be on the Corey Rucker bandwagon. Uh, but the other nice thing about Corey Rucker is, you know, theoretically he could have four more years, you know, they, that COVID year. Rucker ebbs and flows. So just the last five months, his ADP 129, 218, 293, 221, 223. Looks like maybe he settled into the 220 range. Um, I like him. I don't like him enough to take a 129, but 293 is a steal. <laughs> 223 is probably right. But he, I mean, th- that school has put guys in the NFL. Not high draft picks, but Kirk Merritt's still around. I think Bayless is on a roster. He might be on a practice squad, but he's around. And then obviously we'll see what Jonathan Adams Jr. does this year with Detroit. Um, so cautiously optimistic on that end for Rucker. And then I have one tight end in the, the division here that is probably a must have for me. And that's Isaiah likely who I, I find myself just 
grow he grows a little more on me every day uh the 64220 64 he has a senior at coastal carolina he has a great afro if you want to go look <laughs> at his his picture on the coastal carolina website it is awesome last year uh he put up as a tight end in college um 30 catches 601 yards five touchdowns average 20 yards per catch which led all tight ends across the country i figure he probably is going to do that again this year um with as we said kind of a lot of that 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 cast returning with him is he a must-have for you colin as well i think there's pro potential there yeah i completely agree with you um i'm the highest of anybody on the site on unlikely um i haven't ranked at 16 uh tight end 16 have? you have him have? at eight you have at 18 ah, you have so you're like right behind me um Dwight actually has him as 17, so he has him one spot ahead of you. Wow, but son of a gun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that there is definitely some pro potential there. Like, I think that it's not a very good tight end class next year, like we kind of talked about um, before. You know, it's kind of Jalen Weidermeyer, and then uh, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he absolutely has some pro potential this year, but I also think he's going to put up some really nice numbers for you in. Uh, in, in college there this year as well. And that's a tight end position where it's difficult to rely on guys. He's pretty comfortably the number two option in that passing attack. Um, and CJ Maribel vacated three or 30 uh, catches last year, 30 receptions. I, I don't know if I see Reese White getting they're that going, many. They're going to Reese White, baby. They're going to Reese White. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. <laughs> Woo. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, uh, I think that there's even a little bit room for growth on Isaiah Likely's end. Like, I think he probably catches more than 30 passes this year as well. So, uh, like him on the college side, definitely some NFL potential. Thumbs up on Isaiah Likely. Yeah. Uh, he might, I might have to raise him up a little bit in my rankings. Totally not because I want to have him higher than you or anything. You just want to put him at 15? Uh, just, just, just for some reason, 15 is screaming to me here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe relevant, Colin. I think I'm going to list the guys that I have in each of these, and maybe we can each pick out like one that we want to briefly you know, say a couple words on here. Uh, maybe relevant quarterbacks. Lane Hatcher at Arkansas State. Cornelius Brown the fourth, who we kind of talked about a little bit earlier at Georgia State. Jake Bentley at South Alabama. And Levi Lewis at University of Louisiana Lafayette. I would be willing to wager significant money that none of these guys ever touched the NFL, but Colin, do any of them interest you or which interest you most uh, for C2C leagues this year? Um, for C2C leagues, definitely uh, Cornelius Brown, the fourth quad Brown. Um, I'll let you take him though. I'll take uh, Lane Hatcher because he is a guy that does interest me. Um, like we talked about with that Arkansas State offense. I mean, they just... They just chuck the ball all over the yard. Um, they do have a little bit more of a difficult schedule this year. They get Memphis. Um, so I think that they're probably going to have to, you know, put the ball up there. You know, they're going to have to throw the ball around and try and keep up with them. Uh, they do get Washington as well. That one probably worries me. Um, but, you know, they get Coastal Carolina as well. Uh, UL, who I think are two going to be two teams that are pretty good. So their schedule worries me a little bit, but I still think they're going to chuck the ball around. I still think they are going to put up, uh, you know, last year through 11 games um, and they split time between uh, Lane Hatcher and Logan Bonner. Uh, Logan Bonner has since gone to, I believe, Utah State. 
Uh, Utah you. State has a boner now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to. I had to. <laughs> Um, they, they, so they Hatcher and Bonner split time. Bonner's gone, so it's Hatcher's job. Uh, they threw for a combined 37 touchdowns, eight picks, uh, th- 3,900 yards. So through 11 games, so it's 364 yards a game. They throw the ball a lot. I think Lane Hatcher is just a good fantasy option there for college, and I don't think he's going to be ever anything in the NFL. Um, but he is still young. He has what, um, he was a sophomore last year. So probably two years, maybe three with the COVID. Uh, but you're getting two years of really nice production from him. I think at least. Yeah. I mean, he caught the eye of Alabama at one point. So I went Mm -hmm. there and then transferred out. Um, as we discussed on a show many months ago, um, I believe Lane Hatcher was my lowest rated quarterback that I watched <laughs> last <laughs> offseason of players that were draft eligible. Um, so there's that. Uh, yeah, Cornelius Brown. I don't have a lot to say about the guy, really. I mean, he has an ADP of 308, which seems pretty low for what he did last year. His first real year as a starter uh, completed 59% of his passes, uh, 2,278 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He needs to clean it up a lot, but he's got um, a little bit of a rushing floor. Um, I obviously forgot to look up his rushing stats like an idiot. 301 and seven touchdowns. Thanks, boo. Um, gotcha. Yeah, 301 <laughs> yards, seven touchdowns. I knew that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he gives you the rushing floor. He will be on the edge of a startable quarterback in a week, depending on what your league's requirements are. Um, so I think he should be rostered in, in – Anything like a, a typical, typically sized 12 team, 40 to 45 man roster league. He should be rostered in every single league. That's that size or bigger. And even probably some that are a little smaller than that. But I always, always consider that 12 and 45 kind of the default. Um, so, and just to give you guys, Jake Bentley does not have an ADP. He's not getting drafted. Our ADP goes up to guys that go to four at 400 or better in these drafts. So he's not being taken before that. I don't think he's, rosterable right now maybe a late season pickup but there's just no upside there and levi lewis who's at ul he also does not have um a a adp for us right now um because he regressed in basically every way last year in his junior year 64 percent completion percentage 3050 yards 26 touchdowns four interceptions last year less than 60 percent of his passes completed um, you know, significant 800 fewer yards, uh, you know, lower yards per attempt in 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So I don't think he's, he's a guy that I really want to start or even really roster this year running back. I have three, technically four running backs here. I have Reese White, Shamari Jones, who are at Coastal Carolina, uh, Kamani Badal, that's at Troy and Imani Bailey, who is at UL. Uh, Colin, any of those guys jump out to you? Um, yeah, I like I like Reese White a lot. Um, sounds like you do as well. Mm-hmm. I think Reese White is going to handle the bulk of the carries there last year, or there this year. And you know, last year CJ Maribel uh, was a very productive runner. Uh, he had 887 yards, 12 touchdowns, 31 catches, 228, seven. Uh, I don't know if. I don't know if Reese Weiss gets there in the, in the passing game. I mean, you seem to think maybe he does, so I'll let you handle that one. But C.J. Maribel was the RB24 last year, uh, and I think that 
you know, Reese White is could be there or, you know, maybe a little bit under, but I think he'll be, you know, a low, low end RB2, high end RB3. Um, I also do want to talk about Imani Bailey. Um, like we talked about a little bit with UL, I think that UL seems to like to really spread the ball around among the running backs. Um, you know, last year, like you said, uh, Elijah Mitchell has 141 carries, Trey Raggett's 131. Um, so Chris Smith is going to step into the bulk of those carries, but they like to split that up. So I do think Amani Bailey is uh, going to have a really nice, uh, a really nice year this year as well. He's going to be the number two guy. So he's definitely a guy that is a little bit more than maybe relevant. I like both those guys, and I'm not projecting Reese White to have 30 this year. <laughs> um, I, I do think probably the majority of those go elsewhere, but I do think he's capable of catching passes, and I do, I do think that they will use him in that role. Uh, I, I was starting to get a little bit of cold feet on him, but he just outproduced Shamari Jones in basically every way last year. Jones is a bigger back, so he might get more goal line work. I don't know how they're going to to split between two backs, though, because Maribel was so complete last year that he got the bulk of the touches. You know, they didn't really need to have specified rules for guys there. But I'm really, really high on Reese White. I actually like all of these guys more than their ADP. You know, Reese White at 384, Kamani Bidal at 382, Amani Bailey at 356. Bailey probably feels right. Um, but I, I have more Bailey than I have Chris Smith just because, as Felix so eloquently put it when we were on a show with him a week or two ago, the Sharps are taking Bailey because um, he's just so much cheaper than Chris Smith and he might do virtually the same exact thing that Chris Smith does. Um, it's a little bit of a gamble, but I, I think the possibility is there. So I, I like all those guys wide receiver. There are four names here and I have a clear favorite of these four. Corey Sutton is at Appalachian state who did. He opted out last year. He is listed on their website as a super senior, literally on their website. I thought that was like a slang term. Um, <laughs> Jeff Foreman, who's at Arkansas State, as we just briefly discussed earlier. Kyron Lacey at UL and Sam Pinckney at Georgia State. Any of those guys catch your attention, except for Foreman, who it sounds like you have a lot of. Uh, yeah, I do like Foreman a lot. Um, I like Pinckney and Lacey. I, I think they're about right as the maybe relevant. Um, I think that they could have like nice years, but at the same time, they're not particularly explosive passing offenses or like high volume passing offenses. Same with Corey Sutton as well. Um, so, you know, they're, they're nice guys to put at the end of your bench. Um, you might be able to start them here and there if you need them, but I don't love any of those guys. I think I have like one share of Pinkney, maybe one of Lacey. I really like Kyron Lacey. I want him in as many leagues as possible. You know, he has he has NFL size at 6'3", 212. I think, you know, last year was he was he was a true freshman last year. I believe he was a true freshman. Um, he led the team in receiving 28 catches, 364 yards, four touchdowns. I I think that the the possibility is there for college production and I think that he could be an NFL draft pick. Not saying day two or anything, but I think he could be drafted, you know, at some point. You know, not everybody can be a day one and day two pick. Um, but I, I like Lacey, and he's just a guy that I find myself. I either have him in places or he's like the very top of my watch list. And as soon as he does anything this year, I'm going to go try to get him. 
Yeah, I, like I said, I, I I'm definitely on board with Lacey Adam out of any of the more than any of them, but I, mm, I don't love it. Fine, be that way. Um, so, and I don't have any maybe relevant tight ends. I think you know that what likely is the class of the league, and then that's it. Um, are there any guys? You know, I don't think, like I said, I don't. Lacy could be considered a stash, but beyond that, I, I don't really think that anybody necessarily classifies as a stash from this league that we didn't already cover. Do you have any, you know, deeper names that you just want to throw out? No, not really. Uh, I know on Arkansas State they have another guy that we didn't talk about at all, Dahu Green. Um, he was actually, I think he's their leading returning receiver. So maybe it could be him, but I still think it's more likely to be Rucker or Foreman. Um, and yeah, that's that's really about it. Uh, the only other name that I kind of thought about putting on there was Cornelius McCoy, who's a wide receiver at Georgia State. Um, slot guy, smaller. Um, he led them in receiving two years ago, I believe, and then last year took a backseat to Pinckney. Um, he had 31 catches, 447 yards, four touchdowns. I don't see NFL potential, and I don't think that he's a you know a, a big enough college producer uh, for us to worry too much about him. Whereas Pinckney, six four two ten, you know maybe we can work with a little bit of that that size. Um, so anybody that you're avoiding at current ADP out of this group, uh, there's nobody that I'm avoiding specifically, but I will say I don't have, I don't think I have any Grayson McCall. Um, just because he's going in the July or I mean, I'm not the July in the June, he was going at 76. Um, I like Ritter more than him. You know, I like Jackson dart more than him. He was also, he's going, uh, Jackson darts going to significantly later. Um, you know, Ty Thompson is a guy that I like a little, uh, uh, I like these guys better later. I think they're better values. Uh, but I, I just also typically don't find myself taking a quarterback right there in that range. Um, and I'm not super sold on his pro potential. So I don't dislike McCall, but he's not somebody that I'm really like going after. Uh, yeah, I McCall is the only guy that I think has an ADP that's significant enough to call it an avoid. You know, who, yeah. who, who, who is the next highest here? Is it? Jalen Tolbert at 179. And as I said, I think that's the best value in all of our ADP. So I I, I think any of these guys at their current cost uh, possess quite a bit of upside um, and, and not a lot of risk with where they're going. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be our show then for tonight, guys. That is the Sunbelt Conference. Um, live it up, Sunbelt. Good for you guys. Um, so, so tune in again. Uh, you know, we are, as we we're saying, we're doing the summer school. So, uh, Thursday or Friday, whenever this one gets released is going to be another college themed episode, um, with an interview sprinkled in there. And I believe we will be looking at the Mac will be the conference that we will be breaking down. Um, action baby. Yeah. The Mac action, uh, keep, and we'll have a lot more players to talk about there. Love me some Mac. Uh, so stay tuned for that. If you're looking for some of these names in more written form, the articles, you know, uh, we talk about some guys that are on there, some guys that aren't, um, you know, just the nature of subjective. Some guys value some people, some don't. Um, but but you can read the articles that are all going to be on the site as well. Uh, Colin, which articles are you writing? I am writing the Conference USA West and then the two Pac-12 articles. So mine are coming out a little bit later. 
Gotcha. Yeah, mine are. I'm the ACC, so mine are as well. Um, but the whole the whole group over there will be writing these for you guys. Um, be uh, sure to tune into the other podcasts here on campusdecant.com. Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday, the Debbie Debates, and the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, our late week show. But until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good week, guys.